Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 482. Uh, hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, we are in the, uh, what, middle of September now. Kids are back at school. COVID cases are rising. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all here. It's all happening. Uh, playoff baseball is just around the corner. Weather's getting a bit crisper outside and a bit cooler. What's going on for you, Abriana? Yeah, I mean, you just kind of covered it all. I don't know that it's cooling off too much. We've had a few cooler days, which has been really nice for going for a run. Um, but by cooler, I mean like, you know, not 95. So there's that. You know, we're like, we have, it's funny because whenever I think about like Halloween coming, Halloween here has like two drastic ways that it can go in Atlanta and one is that like you're sweating and it's just incredibly hot and uncomfortable in whatever costume you're in or your kids are in and then the other option is like it's way colder than you anticipated and the kids are like I'm cold I'm uncomfortable like let's go inside enough with the candy so I mean at least my kids which is surprising um so yeah like it's weird just this time of year it's like kind of all over the place and we just don't know what to expect but uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like summer is kind of sad that summer's over and nobody really got to have like that real summer with all their friends and all the barbecues and all the trips. But it's a summer you can't things. forget. That is true. Right? That is true. Yeah. Oh, well, you missed uh, basketball playoffs are here too. Yeah, my Raptors are out. I'm not watching, but. Yeah, to, like it'll be a very interesting game between the Clippers and Nuggets, though, coming up. Yes. Yes. Yes, and yes. Uh, oh, and my my friend from Pandora shared a VIP the Killers streaming live tonight live concert for Pandora, oh. so I might join that. But besides that, you know, there's really not a lot going on for me. Just living the dream as usual you know there you go there you go so are you are you actually sending your kids out for trick-or-treating oh we haven't even had that conversation i don't think that's going to happen if anything i would imagine that like you know a few families might get together and do something together but i don't know i mean i have no idea what's going to happen they're in school i don't know what the difference is and putting on a mask and letting people throw candy out to you just catch it from far away maybe <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, it could be a great way to like look for the next the next big picture for mlb they should get behind it yeah that's a great idea <laughs> or remember how we did that story around like um around uh the fat jewish and like his wine truck yeah. and or well sponsored wine truck uh that was actually like doing the manicures and stuff maybe they could just do something that's like a you know drives by and gives kids candy. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, don't take candy from strangers, though. That's what they, they teach you, right? I mean, isn't every neighborhood you go to unless it's like your direct neighbors, strangers? <laughs> All right. Okay, well, we anyways, we have a good show for you this week. Four stories to cover, uh, a wide array of stuff, lots of things um, that cover uh, interesting uses of location data. So I'll let Abriana kick it off. Yeah, so a big announcement uh, in the location playing space. And, you know, I would say that we have been pretty on top of our predictions for this year when we said that, like, the mobile location players are going to continue to consolidate. 
uh, or potentially die off because InMarket has now bought uh, Ninth Decimal and they are combining for an annual revenue of 100 million, that's what they're reporting, uh, for their location measurement and digital marketing services. Um, it sounds like InMarket is trying to, you know, shift a little bit less from a focus of, you know, being pigeonholed as just a location data provider uh, to being more real-time data-driven marketing analytics. Um, so, you know, we've seen now, if we think about all the ones we've seen this year, Foursquare merged with Factual, Place IQ uh, acquired Freckle IoT, Xmode bot location sciences, uh, location data assets, so who knows what else is going to happen before this year ends? Um, Was that? Dave Graft has got to do something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, whether it's whether it's like uh, you know location data players or something yeah. else like you know crazy happening, aliens. Was it like meteor going to hit the Earth right before the election? Some crazy prediction something, like that. Something. <laughs> Trump will come up with something that will say like, you know, the election can't happen. It's anything is possible. Anyhow. Try and shock me. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so what do you think about this acquisition? Um, I think this is great. I think, um, you know, that there's, you know, the, the industry is maturing, like we've been talking about all year. And I think, um, you know, these are two very strong, stable players uh, in the in the industry who've been around for a while. Uh, very, um, you know, rich customer bases, um, very uh, well established products uh, and value propositions in terms of what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I think ninth decimal, like, you know, I, like for me, you know, as a guy who prior to even doing the LBMA, you know, 11 years now, um, you know, I was in the Wi-Fi business and, you know, um, at that time you had Boingo and Jiwire and ninth decimal kind of came out of the Jiwire, you know, family of, of data. So, you know, like it, it's, I, I think there's this kind of rich heritage of, of, uh, of players in our industry and it's nice to see, you know, some of the bigger guys kind of come together and kind of really um, join up in, in different stables. And, and, and I think it, it also means that um, rather than seeing some of our companies fail because of changes in, in privacy or ways we collect data, I think, you know, being a little bit bigger, being a little bit stronger, um, also kind of puts some of these companies in a better position to compete with some of like the Facebooks of the world and the TikToks of the world uh, on a from a data perspective um, and from an ad revenue point of view. So um, yeah, so so I, I'm I'm quite you know sort of positive on on the deal. I think that um, we're going to see more. I think there's players that are, are out there who haven't done um, you know their moves yet. Um, and I'm glad to see that uh, the Ninth Decimal team are kind of staying on in, in senior roles. Michael uh, Fordyce, uh, who is the CEO at Ninth Decimal, is joining uh, as Chief Business Officer, and David Stoss, who known forever, uh, is coming in as Chief Product Officer um, in, in at InMarket. So um, I think you know, it, it, like it's not like hey, they're just walking away from the business. You know they're really truly joining the businesses together um, and the team together, and I think that's that's a real positive sign. Yeah. 
There you go. All right, so that's our first story. Second story, we'll shift over to Google now, and they're announcing a new uh, platform called Orion Wi-Fi. So I mentioned Wi-Fi in, in my heritage, um, but uh, this is an interesting new product. Uh, they say it's really targeted at owners of stadiums, shopping malls, office buildings. So basically large venue Wi-Fi we're talking about here uh, and giving these uh, you know property owners essentially a way to make money from customers who want to roam on, those, on their hotspots. Um, and they've got two MVNOs already sort of signed up for this. Uh, MVNO, if, for those who don't know the term, is a mobile virtual network operator. Um, and that, uh, so they've got Google Fi and Republic Wireless are already on board with this. So basically for, in, for those who don't know the Wi-Fi world, um, you know, you can think back to Boingo and these kinds of things I mentioned before, but basically you've got all these networks out there and then, um, you know, through partnership agreements and co-marketing agreements and these kinds of things that go on, uh, you have the ability, if you have a subscription with one, in some cases, you can roam onto other people's networks. You can use other people's networks without paying anything additional or and having single sign-on and things like that that make it really easy to use. So they've got Google Fi and Republic Wireless already on board, uh, you know, as sort of partners in their network um, and looking to add others. Um, so yeah, it just it just enables for that easy access, and and uh, I think you're going to see a bunch of uh, announcements in short order from some stadium operators. I, I'm aware of one already uh, that I happen to be talking to uh, on a completely separate uh, account uh, a few weeks ago that is uh, going to be joining up with this, um, and I think you're going to see a bunch more um, as well. And and I think. Uh, it's it's just an interesting way for some of these folks to find you know a new revenue stream coming off of uh, off of the network and enabling uh, roaming uh, to happen across it. So I I think it's interesting. Um, you know I at the end of the day, I mean I think it, it's a it's a very limited market. Uh, obviously, there's not it's not like there's you know thousands and thousands and thousands of stadiums and 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 these types of properties out there. And I think. The commercial um, property industry, as we know, coming out of COVID, is going to be uh, fine, you know, dealing with its own issues right now from a, you know, office space and that type of thing. So, I think finding new revenue streams becomes all the more important. Yeah, I agree. What's interesting to me is that, you know, my question here is like, what does this, what does this look like, and what does this maybe mean for five G? Does it mean nothing? Does it have anything to do with it? Do we think about how bigger locations like this may have considered plugging in 5G but decided not to, and now they're going to do go this route instead? Um, or is this just, you know, it could still work with 5G? I don't know the implications there, but that, that's interesting to me. I did have um, a friend that was, um, you know, leading all the IoT initiatives with one of the top four carriers telling me that, you know, 5G is likely not going to be as big and, and taking over as a lot of people are predicting or hoping that it will be, but you know, it still will be making an impact, but that the Wi-Fi and like the wired aspect of things is not really going anywhere in the near future, which was interesting because, you know, we've heard other stories as well. Um, the other question I have is like, if Google is getting into this, what is the benefit to them beyond just a, you know, increase in revenue, right? This is a new revenue stream, but as you mentioned, there's not like, you know, tons of customers that they can go out and acquire. So 
for me, this makes me think that there's a data play involved and likely being able to say, okay, I want to know who visits where and what Wi-Fi network they're on and what they're interested in so that I can then sell them, you know, whatever else or, or push them um, audience targeting, messaging and advertising through all of the other Google properties. So that's my thought is what the direction is more based upon alternative ways to get location data and information, uh, point of interest visitation data that Google can use and leverage across all of their advertising, which is the money-making stuff that they do, right? So um, I don't know, it's interesting, but we'll see what the, uh, the underlying motive is there at some point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a smart move, and and I think it, it benefits both sides, right? I think there is a data play. I'm with you on that, uh, but I think from the property owner perspective, um, you know, this this is not typically for most of these property owners. This is something that's not core to their business, right? Data management and monetization in that sense. I mean, they're more about fan experience and and these kinds of things, or, you know, or, or customer experience, um, you know, in shopping malls and so on. That being said, I think some of the bigger guys, like you look at, you look at the Westfields of the world and, and some of these types of folks, they do have their own technology uh, innovation labs and, and teams of people and in some cases in case of Westfield like you know they're even uh, building programs and building platforms and selling them to other uh, uh, shopping mall uh, properties that don't have them so I think there is some competition uh, as well within the industry so yep we'll see yeah. All right, so we love to talk about Burger King, and rather than discussing a creative and quirky campaign that they've rolled out once again, we're actually looking at Burger King brick and mortar location designs this time. So the country, the country, the company has designed um, this, what they're calling the Restaurant of Tomorrow. Um, and this was done by the Restaurant Brands International in-house design team, you know, that has a suite of different restaurants, um, obviously Burger King being one of them. And so they had input from technology and operations and then the food innovation teams and what would work best, um, obviously with COVID and people not going inside and dining in and, you know, drive-through traffic being um, up or delivery, they're taking all those things into consideration for the future and how people, you know, prefer to, um, you know, receive their food. Uh, what's interesting is that, um, you know, they, they quoted a number that said, actually, uh, the drive-through usage was already up 40% um, in 2019 as compared to uh, 2018. And that's all before the pandemic. So obviously, regardless of COVID or not, drive-through usage and the convenience factor there is, you know, just going up. But, um, you know, the restaurants that they've created are about 60% smaller than the traditional restaurants. And, you know, they're trying to improve the guest experience and they're looking at lots of different food option ordering modes um, and delivery modes. So some of the features that they listed would be like a drive-in area under solar powered canopies. So guests could uh, place their order through the Burger King app and have it delivered and, you know, brought out to the car dedicated parking spots for curbside delivery, pickup lockers for mobile delivery, um, multiple drive-through through lanes, um, you know, that would also provide a view into the kitchen and maybe an external walk-up window for people who are, you know, walking or maybe not driving instead. 
And um, they also said that for a reduced footprint, they were looking at having a suspended kitchen uh, where they would have like a conveyor belt system that would bring the food down and each spot and lane would have its own pickup spot. Um, so this kind of, this, this idea, I don't know, have you ever been to a Sonic drive-in? It kind of reminds me of that. It's like, you know, you, you can go through the drive-through, but you can also just pull in, there's a screen there, you just touch the button and you order. And I like it because from me, it's kind of convenient when you think about like ordering for a family or more than just yourself, like having the ability to kind of digest everything that's on the menu beforehand, like what's the new stuff that is there that maybe you want to try and figure out what everybody wants before you have to push the button and order. Same thing with, you know, the order app as well. Um, you know, like having the ability just to kind of digest everything before you get to that moment. You're like, I need a second. Can you give me just a minute? You know, cause that's how I am. I like to just make sure I review all my choices before I, you know, commit to something. <laughs> um, but also, you know, there's other restaurant trends that are looking like this as well. And Taco Bell announced a go mobile concept with a dual drive through and then bell hops to kind of facilitate the order process. So it kind of, it's likely like a Chick-fil-A, you know, a lot of the Chick-fil-A's have double drive throughs now, at least the new ones that are being built. Um, you know, when it's rush hour, there's, or, you know, when there's more people that are coming through the drive-thru, they always have somebody that's out there taking the orders rather than just using the machine. You know, you pay before you get to the window so that when you get there, it's just, they're handing your food and you're going. Um, and it's very like contactless as well, where they're just like pushing out a tray, you pick it up, you know, there's no like touching involved anymore or changing of money. So, you know, there, there's a lot of those things that the, each restaurant I, I feel like has kind of figured out, okay, this works well, this doesn't. Um, and you can, you know, they also mentioned that you can pre-order or app order while you park. Um, and that, that for me again, like just taking the, the confusion out of things and giving people like a little more time to decide what they want, I think is a great consumer experience and the drive-in. I mean, the drive-in, what's old is new, right? Like that, yeah. that whole idea of you know just parking in your car but still being out and around people and sort of in a social setting where you can roll down your windows and hear the music it's fun it's uh it's like reigniting the good parts of the 50s <laughs> there you go yeah you just know yeah i mean you just got to watch those people like actually know how to roller skate with your food as opposed <laughs> to like tripping on the on the curb uh and spilling it um and yeah i mean i i'm with you i th i think that um you know at least in north america this is this is a feasible model right like obviously in 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 europe uh and in and in in the apac regions this isn't going to happen because they just don't have the space to build you know properties with drive-throughs and and you know double lanes and, and and that type of thing it's just not feasible um but I think here, uh, this definitely makes sense. Um, and, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, there was a, somewhere I was, um, I'm trying to think now, like fairly recently, I was on a trip, like in, in the last year, and there was a McDonald's that was using conveyor belts in an airport um, restaurant somewhere to like, they make the food and then it comes down this whole conveyor belt system. and um it was pretty cool uh, i'll have to i'll have to dig that one up now um but yeah i i, th I think uh it's like it's a bit like um you know the um the crispy cream 
experience, right? Like watching those, uh, those donuts, you know, sort of be made and kind of come off hot and fresh and, you know, sort of the theater of it, um, the entertainment aspect of it. Um, and I think there's something about that too, that can be incorporated into how, you know, we're, we're building the, these restaurants now, you know, that are, um, if people are going to go out, if people aren't just going to, you know, order, you know, everything delivered to their house, then, you know, like make it fun, make it entertaining, make it interesting for them too at the same time. Right. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. So I'm, I'm glad to see Burger King and not just Burger King, like many, uh, other chains are, are thinking about this kind of stuff as well. So Chipotle and, and Shake Shack and Taco Bell and everybody. So, um, yeah, so it's good. Okay. All right. So our final story uh, for this week is about, uh, you know, now that we're in COVID and there's kind of all this online learning going on and whatnot, there's a story out there that education apps are selling your location data. And uh, so somebody's done a bit of an investigation on this. Researchers from the International Digital Accountability Council looked at 496 education apps across 22 countries and they found a lot of privacy issues with these services. Uh, several apps uh, are providing location data to third-party advertisers and collecting device ID data. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's happening. And uh, you know, I, I, when I first saw this story, like as somebody who's in the industry, as I'm sure you are, Abriana, like no big surprise here. I'm not, uh, you know, you know, it's not like we don't know that this is happening. But I think for a lot of parents out there, for a lot of kids out there, for a lot of people like the average, you know, citizen who's just, you know, all of a sudden now using online learning and educational tools that maybe they weren't using a few months ago, uh, maybe is not so aware of that. And I think, um, you know, my, my takeaway from this is that, um, Yes, it's happening. It's happening at scale. There's monetization happening on this data. Um, and that's the industry that we're all in. I think that there needs to be, you know, really, really strong disclosure on the parts of these education apps, you know, to the parents, to the users, uh, indicating what they're doing, what their privacy policies are, how they're selling, what they can do with this data. Um, and giving the people, I think in the, in the case of this type of app category specifically, give people the option to, you know, pay something. So if you don't want this data to be sold, you know, and you want to use this app, it's five bucks a month or, you know, whatever it's going to be, because yes, they can't just provide something for free. They do need to find a way to pay for it and, and make money from it because that's what businesses do. Um, and, um, you know, so, so, so I think to me, it's just about, you know, proper disclosure, proper, um, you know, consent or, and, and finding, you know, the right, you know, sort of monetization model. Some people will be completely fine with free and having their data out there as people are for many other apps and services, Facebook, et cetera. Um, and others, you know, would prefer to pay something and say, okay, no, that part of my world, you know, my data is, is protected. Um, and instead I pay five bucks a month or whatever. What, what are your thoughts on this? So I think there's a couple ways to look at this. One, I completely agree that 
you know, apps and sites have to be able to monetize what they do. I mean, that's the bottom line. They have people to pay. They've got to keep up with um, all of the bugs and fixes and, and, you know, advertising is an easy way for them to do that. And in order to be able to advertise, they need to have audience segments. And a lot of that is tied to location. What I would guess is that most of the location data that they're capturing and storing and using for this is probably not at a hyper granular level, but more at, hey, this is a DMA level, or this is the postal code where you know these consumers are residing so that they can say what people might have an affinity for, um, so that the advertisers can appropriately target their messaging because nothing is free. And yes, even the website that you know is putting this story out has tons of advertising all over it that's likely using some type of location intelligence um, at a level to decide what ads it should show. So I think the challenge there is like, with children, obviously, you need to be hypersensitive and making sure that all of those things are very clear cut uh, and that you know they're doing a good job with all of the opt-ins, whether that's you can use my location just while I'm using the app or you can use my location all the time or you know what does that mean or here's the price that you need to pay. Um, so I think that you know it is common. I think that there's a lot of technology changes on the rise that are likely going to combat this as well, right? So if they start truncating that long, then you don't need to worry about people being able to find children, you know, tied to this information and data. And if they're also selling location data information, I can guarantee you that it's more of an audience. So you know, these maids happen to be within these locations at these times, and they are doing you know educational apps. As to typically the way that it works. Um, there's also a lot of laws against like what you can sell from a child's perspective in terms of like app usage and things of that. Um, and so I would assume that they're going to get, you know, penalized and, and in trouble if they're not following the rules. So, you know, I'm not super concerned about it because there, those uh, implications are in place. And, you know, we know what's happening in the next few months between what Apple's doing and what's probably on the horizon for what Google's going to do in terms of how they address this. So I would say, like, I'm, I'm taking it lightly at this point because things are changing. Yeah, I, you're right. It is changing. But I, but I think specifically in this category, I think when people are looking for solutions, you know, finding, trying to find ways to get their kids educated online and seeking these types of platforms out, uh, you know, they may be unaware of, you know, kind of what's normal in this industry. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think so that to me, it's just about disclosure. And, and I'll, I'll highlight the one story they mentioned in the article. They said one app called Shaw Academy, S-H-A-W, was collecting location data, personal identifiers, sending it to third party marketing firm Web Engage. In June of this year, Shaw Academy boasted that its online educational platform saw an eight fold increase since COVID lockdowns in usage. So between March and June. Um, and most of its users are between 25 and 34. So it's not even little kids. Like these are like, you know, university level, you know, yeah. um, you know, um, and, and beyond. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's everywhere. It's across the, the board. Right. And I think, you know, we just need to be aware of it and disclosure just needs to happen in a clean and efficient way. So. There you go. So that's our show for this week. Um, we thank you for listening and watching. Sorry if there was a little hiccup there in the middle. We, we lost our train of thought. Little technical issues today. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, you've been listening to episode 482 of Location Weekly. We thank you. Um, please reach out if you have story ideas um, uh, for us and uh, if you have feedback or 
suggestions or criticism, you know, let us know about that too. Um, you can find us on all the social channels. We thank you and we'll be in touch. Bye. Bye. Thank <music> you.